The opinions expressed in the following program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media. Hello everybody, this is Brandon Jose and welcome to another episode of the Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters podcast. Uh, make sure to check out the show. Um, you can check it out on my YouTube channel, Jose Paranormal History Productions. Jose is spelled H-O-E. Z-E-E, or just look up Ghost uh, Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters. You'll be able to find it there. That will have our archive on my channel of all of our um, older episodes. You can also find us on the Whole Picture Podcast on Facebook or search the Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters. Um, uh, we do have a Facebook page. We just search Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters. Um, so today I'm just going to introduce my co-host, uh, Kim Colleen. Hi, my name is Kim Colleen, even though it says Genevieve on the bottom. Can you see that? Can you see where it yeah, says Genevieve? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's my daughter. Don't worry about my name's not Genevieve. It's, I'm Kim Colleen. I'm coming to you from Holland, Michigan, and I've been with the Grand Rapids Paranormal uh, Podcast for, I don't know, five years, Brandon? Has it been five years now? Yeah, I think we started 2019, I think. Okay, so that's when we, I was one of the originals, so... Thank you for being here, Kathy. I can't wait to start talking to you. Go ahead, Hi. Tanya. Hi, I'm Tanya Geyer Seger. Uh, we're coming up a year for me. I'm yeah, yeah. For a year, um, I'm really excited to get to know and and with my new job, get to travel more. So I can't wait to talk about some of the locations in Kathy's book because I plan on visiting them. <laughs> That's cool. Maybe share, where are you from? Oh, and I'm recording from Reynoldsburg, a suburb of Columbus, Ohio. There you go. Not a Michigander like us. The lone nut out of a, a <laughs> bunch of Wolverines, you know? There you go. I know, right? Welcome, Kathy. Tell us about yourself. Hold on. I just want to give a little bit of oh. an intro here. Of, oh, sorry. I have her book here. Um, author of Haunting Spirits and Eats Michigan. Um, it has uh, different haunted locations. It's, it's really nice if you're a ghost hunter, you're looking for like places to go. Um, I, I would uh, check this book out. Um, like a lot of it, it's about a page or two right up on the brief history of it. It does have some of the restaurants kind of and like food and stuff that you can get there. And um, the nice thing is like at the beginning of each one and it has different counties like all over the state of Michigan. And it does have like a nice little, uh, like the address, well, at least for the ones that you can give the address and contact information if somebody would want to go check out that location. So, but the today's yeah, special guest is Kathy Condor. Um, if you want to just give a kind of a brief or introduction to yourself, Kathy, and uh, what kind of got you into the paranormal field? Well, uh, I actually think I'm kind of a dinosaur you know, when it comes to this among all the other paranormal investigators that I've met because I've been doing it for coming up on 39 years now. So um, it's something that, you know, I've been in it a long time and my interest and experience has grown over the years. And, um, but I had people asking me, like, where would you uh, recommend that we, places that we might want to visit that are reported to be active. And so finally I thought, why don't I just put it all down in a book, you know, give 
break it down by county. So if people want to do a weekend trip or a day trip, but just to give them a little bit of background. And um, I realized just because I say a place is or isn't haunted, um, everybody experiences things so differently. So what I tried to do was bring my personal experience in these different places up. So at least I could kind of give my input and say, you know, I can't guarantee what you'll find, but my experience has been this, whether it was a positive or a negative or whatever. So yeah, I've been doing this for a long time. Uh, have been interested in it for as far back as I can remember. I really can't put a date on it, but I do really feel that uh, it was something I been drawn to and was meant to pursue. Okay, well, that's great. I'll probably do like one of the locations that we met if we want to talk about one of them in the book. Um, but this one, I know you have a lot of history at. It's the cover art on the uh, on the book there. That's the Robinson Manor. If you want to talk yeah. a little bit about kind of your experiences at that uh, location. Well, um, I lived in New England, well, Michigan first, and then New England for a while in Connecticut, and um, really got into organized investigation with a group up there. And when we came back to Michigan, I really wanted to get started again, but I really wasn't sure where. So I did some research and um, I've always felt that the Allegan area is quite paranormally active, just in general, not just the one building, but many, many of them are. And so one day I took a trip up there and stopped in at the Robinson Manor, which originally was built as a hospital back in 1909. But when I went there, this must have been 15 years ago, the first time, I it was the Elks Lodge, the local Elks Lodge. And so I went up and um, knocked on the door and was invited in by the woman who at the time was the uh, kind of the leader of that group of elves and a very nice woman. And she, you know, offered me a seat at the bar and I we talked for a while. And so she started telling me stories about the, uh, which was originally the John Robinson Hospital and um, told me quite a few stories. So kind of what got me started on that particular building. It was the first one in the Allegan area and the one I've probably been associated with for the longest period of time. So um, it's really one of my very favorites. And so I couldn't resist putting that on the cover of the book because it's uh, one of my favorite places in Allegan. And you've been there, I know, Brandon. So yeah. you had a feel for that. Yeah. I know like beautiful building. Pardon me? It's a beautiful building it too. Is. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I know one of the experiences I had up there was uh the team that I was on at the time, we were assisting Rick Wade was hosting an event there. And um we were upstairs up like like that very top area that was like the old rooms. Like the and third or yeah. yeah Bar, yeah and there was a bunch of uh like there was about six of us or so in that group and I had my camera up and I was trying to like you know I was checking the viewfinder on my camera and they were going around like each person 
um, would like ask a question. So when I got to like my turn, I was still kind of looking in the viewfinder. So I wasn't, but I was, I heard my name called. So then, you know, then I asked the question and then like when they're playing it back on the recorder, they're like, oh, your name was called. And, I could, and my camera picked up as well. But everybody's like, nobody called your name. <laughs> oh, like really? your turn, nobody said your name. And I'm like, well, I heard my name called, but like, everybody else insisted that my name was not called. <laughs> Interesting. So, that, that was that was at least my experience there that I can remember. <laughs> well, that was a good one, I'd say. Yeah, it yeah. is pretty consistently active. And the interesting thing to me, and the same goes for a lot of the places that I go to, um, different locations kind of react to the people that are there differently. Like some places you feel an affinity for, some places you might feel very unwelcome in. And so... Um, I always think it's kind of nice when they validate with the name because that's something that's hard to say, well, that was a radio signal or whatever. I mean, it was your name and you were there, so. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't over a spirit box either. It was just audible EVPs. Yeah. <laughs> and I have heard voices in real time there as well. Yeah. Um, children laughing. We can hear a lot of footsteps from the second floor, which was uh, the original ward for the hospital when it was first built. And so I imagine that's where a lot of activity during the operation hospital went on. And, um, and it would make sense that even if it's residual energy, it's just kind of stored there that we'd still be picking up on that like 120 years later. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah, especially in a hospital setting because you have a lot of emotion oh, yes. going on in the hospital. And yeah. that's the thing too, though, about the John Robbins Hospital is um, I think a fair amount of the energy also comes from the fact that we believe they use the basement as a sort of a, um, I don't think they distilled alcohol there, but they moved it out of the building there. And so there was a strong connection between the kind of the organized crime and the gangsters. There's a strong tie between that and um, and what the activity that we get today is. It's it's just they're just layers and layers, and so it it's never gets boring and it never gets dull, at least for me, because it's never the same thing. Yeah, yeah, that was after. That was after Robinson owned it, right? Or was yes. that yeah, the, the, it the guy that bought it afterwards? Yeah, we think that it started with, um, when Dr. Robinson built it, he built it as a um, not-for-profit hospital. He didn't want to charge anybody. I mean, he was really a great man. A lot of people in Allegan thought very highly of him, but eventually he was ready to retire. And so he sold the hospital to a doctor from Chicago who immediately switched it to a for-profit hospital. And we believe because of the time frame and some of the information that we've collected over the years that maybe he had some dealings or connections with Capone because Al Capone had a very strong presence throughout Michigan, but Southwest Michigan. And um, so, yeah, there, um, you know, it's the type of history that you're not going to find in history books. But the next best thing, at least for me, when I'm researching is to talk to as many people that 
were around back then and those get fewer and fewer but there were some very strange stories that that people would share with yeah that's always one of the ones i always wondered on is because like the al capone there are so many oh. al capone stories on like gun lake and like we had like nick finks who's an old bar we used to investigate in comstock yeah. park there are rumors of him there like uh the yellow motel another spot in Allegan, which is old hotel that had burned down but i don't Let's say it was in the 90s, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, but. it's out in Pullman. And, and yeah. Yeah, strong. Well, and I think it goes back to there was a picture, a photograph of um, Al Capone sitting in front of Yellow Motel when it was a resort. It was called Wildwood Resort originally when he went there. And there's Al Capone and a bunch of other men about his age, we assume they were part of his uh, group. And I think his daughter and his dog was in the picture. And um, and so I do believe he definitely went there. In fact, he invited some really well-known people that he knew um, that were famous. Like I think Jerry Lewis went to the Yellow Motel as his guest once. Um, Dean Martin, I think. There were just a lot of famous people that came, that would come and go there. And so um, I think like with any story like that, and I'm sure you're aware of this from, you know, your investigations, but it's what starts out with a little kernel of truth tends to grow and grow. And, um, and the more people that hear it, they add their little bit to it. So, and I've been out there quite a few times, and I'm not saying that there is an activity there, but there's been nothing really strong that I felt from that location. Yeah, that's one I've never actually investigated myself, but I've you know from a few guests that we've had on there, people reporting seeing like a 20s era car that's driving down of... the road and then disappear. Yes. So I've, and there... I've had a few different people re I've heard that story from. I think another one is that people have seen a little dog, a little white dog that will run through the woods. The nice thing about um, the old yellow place is that it's situated on public land. So um, anyone can go there. I just be really careful during hunting season because there are hunters all over the place there. But um, it's a place that, you know, I think a lot of us would like to be able to investigate some well-known places where we didn't have to pay um, to investigate. And this is one of those places that people can go on their own and, and check it out. Okay. And then I had, let's see, what's another? Oh, the Felt Mansion. That, oh, that's another one where we both, uh, we were both there investigating at the same time. That's right. Um, so for mine, did you have, any experiences while you were there? Or we can actually do some of the history of the building. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't remember, um, but didn't we sit at one point, sit around the dining room table and kind of to see if we could connect with anybody that was there? I don't know if you were off in another building at that time, were you, or were you? I'm not sure if I was at the table at the time or it's been a while since because I know like I spent time between there and then the carriage house and then the, that when you got like three different floors in the main then you got like three different it's, floors in the carriage house there's a lot of it's huge. a lot of area yeah, yeah. well we try to do sort of a 
um, the spirit circle, I guess you might call it a seance, but we did try to connect with any spirits that might be there. And that's not, I mean, I don't normally approach investigation from if I were to see something or hear something, I tend to just want to see what happens. So it's not like I was really opening myself up to see anything, but we we got going on it. And then a little ways through, I kind of glanced up and I saw three young, they looked like they were 16 or 17 standing in the corner. And um, they were saying, shh, it's a secret because we were asking about um, Mr. Felt and, you know, what were some of the things that happened when any of you were here before? And girls were shushing each other, like, shh, shh. And um, so I kind of tried to draw them out a little bit and then they were gone. And so I thought, well, you know, didn't really get much that and we didn't get a whole lot else while sitting at the table uh, but the next day I did call the one of the people that was in charge of organizing it. and I I asked if the furniture because I had a couple of questions so I said, well, was the furniture have there now original to when the Felts lived here in the mansion and she said well the only things we have that are original in this whole place are three beds that belong to the maids and they were in a certain part in the corner of the house and we still have their three beds here. I thought, well, that's odd. You know, I just saw three young women that I thought were dressed like, like they were part of the housekeeping staff. They had long aprons on. And so I thought that was pretty cool, but now it kind of sparked my interest. Like what was the big secret that, that they were telling each other not to say anything about? So. So that was one very interesting thing that that I got from the night that I was there. Yeah, no, not for the Felt Mansion. The people that don't know, it's a big mansion that was built. Um, it's around like the Saugatuck area of Michigan on the West Coast. And it was built, there was a guy who built the, it's like they're called like a, I believe a compumeter. It was kind of like a, basically an early version of almost like a calculator. Kind of did something similar to that. And then he built the house there which is, I think it was more kind of to be like his wife's kind of like dream home. And uh, after, um, but after about like six months, his wife ended up passing away. And like he ended up, door felt like he ended up passing away, I want to say about two years later, or two and a half it years. After yeah. yeah. So then like the building itself, after that, it became, if I want to say it was the Catholic church bought it and like turned it into like a boarding school. Like or something like that yeah yeah and then, then the then it was turned over that like the michigan state police used it as like a headquarters because they had like the prison or whatever the bigger jail right, right down the streets so they used it as kind of like an office building and then it sat abandoned for a long time so it was actually been like my cousin ended up uh eventually finding it and then uh re rebuilding uh or fixing it all back up so now it's used as like an event venue yes and it's beautiful yeah yeah definitely yeah when you guys were there did you pick up any weird like evp things or remember when um the emf meter that i borrowed from you brandon yeah yeah that's 
I went there that night when they had an event and used the EMF and just was walking around upstairs in the carriage house area. And it was like, this thing would just go off the charts randomly. And you weren't even by anything electrical. You were like standing in the middle of the room. And this thing, did you guys have that too, where it would just do these odd EMF readers? Yeah, uh, I think so. I don't know what Brandon, but I heard from some of the other people that were there with us that yeah. they got out of activity in the carriage house. Yeah, yeah. And then the, in the girls' bedrooms upstairs. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. we were getting some really odd readings. And I said to the tour operator that was there that night, I said, do you have any sort of clue why this would be going off? Is there any electrical around here? She goes, no, there's nothing but you're standing in the middle of the bedroom. There's yeah. nothing near you. And we were like sitting on the beds and the EMF detector was just going crazy, like just topping out. And we couldn't figure out for the life of us why that was, unless there was some sort of presence there. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all. Well, and I that night to, you know, we're all getting our rooms and I um, ended up in in Dora Felt's room. And, you know, I wasn't, um, I went to bed earlier than a lot of the other people that was there with, it was just exhausted that night. And so I got into bed, fell asleep immediately. And then in the morning, just starting to get light. It was just kind of pre-dawn, but I was laying on my side and I could hear somebody breathing next to me, like, mm -hmm. like right up on my head, but it was like, like that, just very normal, like a pattern of breathing. And, um, and I'm like, a little unsettling. Well, <laughs> yeah. well I, and I was laying on my side and I kept thinking, do I really want to turn around and see who's laying in bed? I mean, I would have been much more afraid of a person in bed next to me than a spirit. That wouldn't bother me, but I didn't know. It sounded so real. And um, so I, I compromised and put my hand <laughs> over beside me. And honestly, the temperature was clearly colder than even was on my side of the bed. It was very contained. And um, I thought, well, maybe it's time to get up and have some coffee. So I did. I mean, I didn't stick around, but, you know, my guess, it could have been, it could have been Mr. Felt. I don't know, but it yeah. was weird that it was in his room. And all of that. So yeah. You slept, in, you slept in the master bedroom where there the fireplace is? Where the, the big fireplace? I don't that remember. There, all I know is I was just so tired, but it was oh. his. I know that. Okay. So I'm just trying to get a scope of what room you were yeah. in. I think it's the one with the big fireplace. And then there's like the, the seasoned porch on the side. No, that might be Mrs. Feltz. Oh, yeah, okay. that, that's the Agnes room, and then the room just outside of it is is his is the door felt room. Okay, gotcha. It's all kind of named after the different family members, and like the other, there's like other rooms that are named were named after like the daughters. Yeah, right. On from there, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, but but it um for as much time as I really felt like I was 
sort of concentrating on doing what I was supposed to be doing there, uh, I had some really unique experiences. It's a great place to go to. It is a great place. Pardon me? It is a great place to investigate. It does. And it's so big. I think you get that choice of picking where you feel the energy is and because it's big enough for a lot of people. And, mm -hmm. and it was great. See, I yeah. think if I was in your shoes, I would have said, okay, enough. I hear you. I, I'm going back to sleep and probably fell back to sleep. Well, you know, and this probably will sound really strange to you, Tanya, but that is usually what I do. I think <laughs> that doesn't sound strange at all. About that breathing on the back of my neck just made me a little bit creeped out. And so I, I don't think, and I can tell you this with absolute honesty, because I've been doing this for so long, there's very little that really scares me anymore. <laughs> it, it just, I guess I always think that I've never had an experience where something or someone had tried to hurt me ever. Uh, I mean, I've been touched, I've been shoved, um, but I've, I've never had a reason to right. Hmm. Now, when that happens to you, where you get touched or when you get shoved or anything like that, where you have that personal physical experience, what yes. is your initial reaction to it? Um, I get startled because I don't always feel something coming up, to, leading up to that. Um, there's another location in the book, and I don't know if any of you have been to the Thunder Bay Inn up in Big Bay, up in the UP of Michigan, no. but it, um, it's really well known for being very, very haunted, and I was up there once when I was writing the book because it was one of the places. He's like, you're, are you from Ohio? I am. Okay. So Michigan, when people just think it's, well, we'll just hop in the car and go up to the UP, but it's can be like a 10, 11 hour drive, depending on where you're going. So there weren't a whole lot of places that I'd been able to hit up there. I decided that I wanted to go and do the Big Bay Inn because um, Ford owned it when he was really big in the automobile industry. And so I got to stay in his room, which was very cool. And and the the owners and the hosts at the end are very good about sharing the history and stories. And so um, one night after everybody went to bed, I took all of my stuff and went down into, they have a big great room with a fireplace and set up all my equipment and did all the things I was gonna do. And and sat there and was quiet for a while, did a few EVP sessions. And then it was about 3.30 and I thought, you know, I think I'll go upstairs and get a little bit of sleep, but there's some really steep steps. And I think there may be a picture of them in my book, um, but I grabbed as much of my stuff as I can carry. And for me, that's the part of paranormal investigations, taking my crap out of there. I hate that part, but I had to gather it all up and, was going up the stairs and I'm a little bit klutzy. Like I, I, I am a klutz, not a little bit, I'm a real. So that made it even more ridiculous that I was gonna carry all these steps up, steps, stuff up those stairs. But I started going up the steps. Everybody else in the building was asleep. And I got about two thirds of the way up and my 
tip of my toe kind of missed that next step. And I felt myself lose my, my balance, my equilibrium. And um, I don't think this has ever happened to me in all the years I've done this before, but I started to lose my balance and go backward. And all I could think of was that they were going to find me at a the bottom of the stairs with a broken neck this, the next morning covered with paranormal equipment because I had so much of it. And suddenly, as I started to go back, and it was just a couple of inches, I hit something. And it was, it wasn't hard, but it wasn't squishy soft. I, you know, I just know that it was there and it had substance. And very gently, it pushed me forward and I got my balance again. And then I walked up the rest of the stairs and um, I didn't see that coming. But it also was a good reminder to me that when you're looking for it and you're not dealing with a, a one dimensional entity, they're all, they were all people, most of them. And, you know, we're all very different from each other. And so consequently, the spirits that you interact with are going to be very different. And I had always saw people that got pushed or scratched or you know, stuff like that or slapped. I mean, um, I always kind of thought that it must be something negative. They must always they're going to physically interact with us. But this obviously was trying to help me and it wasn't in any way threatening. So it was really a good experience for me because now I don't just automatically assume that even if there's been a history of that happening, first of all, is it really what they intended to do or are they just trying to get your attention by a hand on the shoulder or shoving you? Not all of them are very good at getting your in a normal way mm -hmm. uh, but this went further than that this was a spirit that was actually trying to come to my aid which um was so nice I mean I thanked whoever it was and I said that could have ended so badly thank you so much and um and then went up to bed but it's um it, it seems that every time something like this happens I don't see it coming um, sometimes I can get a feeling of an increased energy that's so strong that I know something's going to happen, but we don't always know what. Exactly. We don't always know what, and I would have probably done the same thing in your case would have been like, thank you. Yeah. I, I yeah. appreciate not having a broken neck at the bottom of the stairs. Yes, and I promise I'm a clutch myself. Next time I won't be so stupid. I promise. But yeah. It's true. What's your favorite location that you've been to that's in the book? Oh, that's in the book. Um, See, I throw the curveball. <laughs> you no, know, yeah, I, I there. Um, you know, Michigan to me has so much um, in the way of paranormal activity going on, whether it's cryptid stuff or, or you know, hauntings or whatever. And I think my theory, and you know, that's not my specialty is is um, sciences, but I think it's because we're pretty much surrounded by water, and a lot of that fuels the energy of the spirits, so they're more able to manifest in certain ways. And so I've never really doubted that. But the more experience I've had, again, um, 
the more I've realized that proportionately, it seems like we have a lot of activity. And um, as far as a favorite, I mean, I can't even think of one. Maybe it's one I have on the cover of the book, just because I have a you know, a longer history with that place. And I, I almost feel like I'm going home when I go there, which is not always the case when I do investigations. So uh, I know, Tanya, it's not a great answer to your question, but oh, no, uh, I think it's fabulous answer because the one behind me, Mar um, Mansfield Reformatory, I feel the same way. It's like going home because it was like my first investigation happened there. And that, that there's that one that always seems to stick with you. I think you're right. And I've been to Mansfield. And I was just blown away by it. I mean, it's, that's a pretty awesome place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I'm sure every state has their share of them. I think um, for me, I always wonder, why didn't you write a book about Gettysburg? Because um, I've had innumerable experiences there that are even off the charts for me. Um, and so each place, I've learned something along the way. And, you know, now we're used to uh, ghost shows and um, people's acceptance of, of what we do as paranormal investigators. But when I started doing this, that wasn't something you talked about because people thought you were batshit crazy. Seriously, <laughs> they would almost kind of stand back like they were afraid they'd catch it if they got too close to you. And then I, when Ghostbusters came out, I was so excited. I thought, this is so exciting. Somebody's talking about it and it's a movie, all of this stuff. And so um, I think consequently, um, I just kind of learned at my own pace over the years. And I didn't start out with the beliefs that the ghost hunters have or that Zach Bagans has. I mean, everybody's got their different theories, but I just kind of learned through experience. And I think that's really served me well because I've what I've experienced, I know I've experienced. I don't have to worry about the credibility of the person that's telling me story. So um, maybe that's why I've never become bored with this. I mean, it still is as fascinating to me today as it was even back when I was a child. I mean, I still am so fascinated by this. So usually a lot of times people, they've had that one experience at a young age um, that touch them to make them fascinated by it. Do you have a recollection or memory of well, an experience that drew you into the paranormal? Yeah, me. Well, I think before, when I was very young, like five, maybe six, both of my grandmothers, and I love this because it's a, it's a female thing. Sorry, Brandon. But um, it was like I bonded so closely to both of my grandmothers and they were very different women. Like one was from Greece and one was from Southern Texas. So they were very different. But my maternal grandmother, the one from Texas at night before we would fall asleep, we slept in twin beds that were, you know, really close together, but she'd always hold my hand at night until I fell asleep. 
And while we were waiting for me to get sleep, probably, she would tell me stories of when she was a little girl on this farm in Texas. She was born in 1899. So this would have been like maybe 1915 through 1920. But she told me all of these amazing ghost stories. But they were all true because they happened to her and to her family. And she would tell me these amazing stories. And I don't, I know she wasn't trying to scare me. She was telling this like it was our family history, you know, oh, honey, yeah, we've been seeing those forever. Um, and then my other grandmother, she lived up in the mountains in, in Macedonia. And she would tell me stories about her paranormal experience, which again, they didn't think of them as weird, unusual occurrences, but oh yeah, this happened in my family. And when my, you know, when my brother died, we didn't have telephones back then. So people would have to inform us by word of mouth that they had died. And yet my brother showed up that morning, like an hour after he died at the window and waved to us and he'd been gone for us. So it was just kind of what they tell me. And Back then, I think they were so separated from the technological stuff and that kind of thing that, um, I don't know, I think with that quiet, they heard a lot more, they sensed a lot more, they had a natural intuitiveness that they would see things. People today are just too busy to notice if they do see them. So um, I think that 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 was it. And then I don't remember one experience, although my mother said that, I guess I could have been difficult as a child sometimes, because I know this was one of many times I got sent to my room from the dinner table. And so she said my room and I was up there for a while. And she tells the story that um, she started to get a feel kind of bad. And so she went up to my room and, um, said, Kathy, do you know why you were sent here? Yeah, so I know why I was sent. And then, you know, I was ready for the for the lecture. And she said, well, are you are you ready to come back? And I said, oh, yes. And she said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, those two men in the corner have been staring at me and giving me really funny looks. And I tried smiling at them, but they won't smile back. And others said, she grabbed me by the arm and pulled me out of the room as fast as she could. Um, so my family was used to this kind of weird stuff I did, but um, I just don't remember not interested in it. That may sound really strange, but I can't. Oh, it runs in my family too. I have a grandmother and an uncle that talked, like you said, like it's our family history. Um, I remember him always asking, how do you fall for through and saying very nonchalantly, how do you fall through a hole that's not there? <laughs> yeah. Like, Wait, what? You back that up? And then he would tell us the story how he fell through a hole. And when he went back to the location to get something with the flashlight he left, the hole was gone. There was no hole in that floor. Isn't that something? So it's like, yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing to see here. It's, it's amazing to hear the old way people used to like your grandmothers or my family that the way they told these stories, like 
they're part of who we are. They're a part of it, which really these stories and what happened is yeah. we are really part of our history and yes. lose that. Yeah. And, and I always feel bad when parents immediately jump to the conclusion that you have imaginary friends. Mm-hmm. Um, my children, well, at least two of them I know did. And um, I, I feel so bad because children really are seeing these spirits and they connect with them so well at that age that it's a very normal thing to harmful men. It's just the parent um, ignorance. And I don't mean that in a bad, they just don't know any better. They're afraid of it. And so they keep telling their children that it's their imagination until the kids start to believe it. But I've always felt that dogs and children are like my best truth meters when it to if there is spirit activity in a place if if the animals are reacting to it and the children are talking about it the parents are still in denial I mean I I would I'd stake my bet on what the kids had to say so um it is really important to not discount that I think for children well I think a lot of ways too because a lot of times I think it kind of helps to shut off the ability when you're I think naturally as you grow up a lot of people lose it but if you're constantly told oh it's just a magic friend that's not real that's not real or eventually you get to the point where you shut it off and you're you discredit what you're encountering and then you kind of lose that ability as you get older well I'd say I agree with you because like I said for me I knew mine was something more even though they kept saying it because it never went away And for a lot of those kids, eventually, because of the belief of what their parents tell them, and why would your parents lie to you, it eventually fades. Yes. Yeah. I, and, and I remember someone telling me once that the Navajo um, people believe that as long as there's that soft fontanel in the skull, in a baby's skull, as long as that's open before it closes off, they liken that as an opening through which they can see and spirit, which is interesting because about the time that that fontanel closes completely, it's usually the age that children kind of stop seeing things. I mean, two, three, four, five, and I, some go you know, even longer. I've seen babies talking to something that we couldn't see, um, but you know, there's, I, a lot of truth behind that I would agree yeah so yeah it's just it's interesting to see that like I said your book really started back from a fat you know stories of your grandmothers that made you now a storyteller too yeah, isn't yeah, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way, but it does seem to go back to that. It really and does. I, it's it's, I, it's easy to take something you learned when you were young and you became passionate about from people that affect you and now this is your passion and I cannot wait to read the book. I really can't. Well, like I said, it, and I think Brandon mentioned this, it's kind of um a cross between, you know, hauntings and also kind of a travel guide so people can up and go. And um, I actually uh, have started 
a second book, which is going to be more along the lines of what a lot about what we're talking about here. What takes you from um, a person who has nobody else in the family that necessarily believes the same thing, sees the same things, or hears the same things that you do, to picking up and learning more about about the whole world of the paranormal because it, it's so vast. And my feelings are, and I go back to this, when I started out, I, I really didn't have a lot of input from, because like I said, there were no shows, people didn't talk about it. You couldn't go to college and get a degree in parapsychology maybe, but, but specifically what we do. Um, but I really wanted to explain that you really don't need all the bells and whistles. I think um, we all have it within us, within our, our body's ability to sense things, our intuition, that we really have all those gifts that we all have. And I think that uh, most paranormal investigators I know will refer to that sense of somebody standing behind you maybe there's somebody over there or you might walk into a room and get a sense of foreboding that you can't explain so I think all of us do still use that but it's such a you really can rely on your own body's um, reaction to things and um, I guess it would be old school paranormal investigation I could see that. Yeah, if they they want to connect with us more than we want to connect with them, and that's been my experience. And I think whatever we make yeah. available to them, they'll use it. You know, people laugh about those phone apps, and um, you know, and some of them are so. But we had uh, this has been a long time ago when some of them were just starting to come out, and I was at at a table with a well-known psychic medium from the area and then two of my team members also so there were four of us and um I had the ghost app sitting on there because on the table we had just been talking about it and um the guy to my left uh Noah who was in my group said you know I've got a really bad headache but do you guys have anything for me to take and the woman sitting across from me who was the medium said, um sure i've got some motrin let me get it out for you got up to go into the bathroom and we looked down at the which was right next to me and i didn't touch it but it said pass orange metal that was the three words that came up on that now it was crazy because I would always think that, but it goes back to the fact that um, that they you know, they do hear it and they do want to connect. If there's something electrical sitting there that they can manipulate, they'll take advantage of that and use it. Um, even when you use rods, I found to be amazing tool investigation. They're pretty old school. I mean, um, just, uh, a lot of stuff out there that I think we're afraid to do on our own without being able to back it up with equipment. But um, I guess you have to ask yourself, what is my purpose in doing this? Am I trying to prove to everybody that these are real? Or am I trying to figure out, is there someone here? And if they're here, why are they still here? And 
you know, it, it's just everybody has their own take on it. But um, I think we need to trust bodies a little bit more when we investigate. See, I'm kind of old school in the way because of my gifts. I don't like to go in knowing anything beforehand. Yeah. But um, occasionally we'll go in and uh, I like to keep the old school recorders or the cameras. Yeah. Uh, the digital, I guess a digital camera. Cause that's my first ever investigation. I had the best evidence I have ever gotten my entire life on a digital camera. Really? And, uh, trust letting the energy around talk like talk to my body talk to the people around because a lot of times things manifest when you have not all the bells and whistles yes it's true and I think if if they really want to to touch base with you to interact with you, they will do whatever they can yeah yeah, like mine too. I'm, 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 I'm. <laughs> oh, what a cutie. Somebody wanted their mom really bad. <laughs> oh my goodness. So Kathy, do you have any special abilities that you feel like you are sensitive to? Yeah, I. I do. I feel like I always have, but it's not something that that I I don't seek it out. It's like it seeks me out, but I can't do it if you know if I open myself up to it and and put that out. Then yeah, I do. But sometimes, like um, sitting at the table and seeing those two girls in the corner, you know, I. I wasn't looking for that. It's just that sometimes if it's strong enough, it shows up whether yeah. uh, whether you want them to or not. They just they'll just step right in. So yeah, definitely. And um, and I'm very comfortable with it. I like I said, I it doesn't scare me or anything. I don't have anything like that whatsoever. But Brandon, do you feel like as time goes on, your abilities starting to grow? a little bit last time I talked to you you kind of felt like you were opening up to more and more is it happening yeah. more and more yeah so for mine it always had because like basically mine I had some experiences when I was a kid mm -hmm. like kid teenager years and then I kind of blocked it out for like a long mm -hmm. time and yeah. then I started investigating like when I started investigating I was doing much more you know, not trying to, I really didn't feel anything. I just started off just doing, you know, kind of like a ghost hunters, yeah. you know, investigation. Cause that's how I kind of got started. Cause basically my, it was just a group of people. I meet up, we got together and started checking places out. Yeah. And then just like the more that I did it, like the, the more I started being able to pick stuff up on. And like, I got to the point where like a lot of times there's been like a lot of times I'll pick up on stuff before the medium. But I won't say anything because I like to wait until the medium validates what I'm picking up. So I'm like, okay, I picked that up too. So, <laughs> well, but but for you, that's a very valuable piece of information because it validates yeah. for you yeah. that it's not your imagination. Um, yeah. Good. Yeah. Because yeah. I think within the paranormal field, you know, we know like we've said this before multiple times it's 90 percent sitting in the dark 10 percent evidence <laughs> you know 
so it's that you got the instinct then the psychic validated it it's really that validation amongst i guess i would say amongst our own community that yeah. matters the most to everybody yeah yeah i just i just don't know how many people um would see that as like a valuable tool and because there's so much um emphasis put on the scientific aspect of things like for the way i look at it is there are a lot of things that we can't prove i mean in our world today that we can't say without a doubt that they exist because we can't measure or quantify them like emotions we love people and when you love someone strong emotion scientists can't quantify that they can't prove that it's actually an emotion i mean but we all know it is and so for me it's not so much um you know what i can prove but what's valuable is like say for brandon to to really just kind of rely on the intuition and that kind of thing that you get you know just that little tingle and i think the more we use that the the more readily available to us it is but but like i say a lot of people just don't believe it unless you, and and i'm married to a scientist i mean this man is very you know it's right or it's wrong it's black or it's white and um it's very hard to, to get your mindset out of that although i have to say after all the years that we've been married that he's a little bit more of a believer than he was before he's just <laughs> well good <laughs> to say oh yeah that's that's a bunch of baloney but um but yeah it's um I don't know. I just don't think that there's anything wrong with it. I see it as just another ability we have. And you can, like, some children are born with this amazing ability, the prodigies to play musical instruments or they're mathematical wizards. And um, we can all play the piano or do advanced math if we train ourselves and work at it. Some of us have a little head start, but um, I think that the more we use those kind of extra tools that we're given, the more effective that we can be as investigators. But again, that's just my opinion. Oh, I, I would agree with it. I mean, I know I've seen many of the different shows and I watch them purely for the entertainment factor, like my absolute favorite. I'm still working on talking these boys into it is the okay. ghost brothers because they make me laugh the hardest um, yeah because it's it's tv i'm not going to take everything verbatim but it's also one of those things that watching them you have a lot of people coming into the field that it's all about the evidence all about the scientific aspect it's all about the equipment it's all about this and they're totally missing that one aspect it's the personal it's yes. what you're bringing into it, what's you, what you are personally experienced, because that's the majority of what's going to happen is it's going to be a personal experience. Exactly. And then you add that personal experience to the arsenal of all the other ones collected over the years. And pretty soon you start seeing a pattern in things. And, um, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with 
that. I just, um, and there's nothing wrong with the equipment either because not everybody has the ability to sense it. And at least like your, I don't know, your EMF meter or whatever you use, it will, it will lead you to a spot where maybe you should be concentrating. So um, I'm not saying that it doesn't have its place. And I still use it in, in a lot of things that I'm investigating as well, but I'm learning more and more trust myself and the things that I hear and the things that I feel I'm thinking maybe it's just get older you don't care so much other people think you know thank goodness you know there's just um, when I would go to like a cocktail party with my husband when he was working and people would come up to him and say oh you know he's he's a very good scientist he's very well known and they'd say to me what do you do? And I'd say, oh, I'm really interested in the in the paranormal, and I do in fact I do a lot of historical research and all this stuff. And they would just get kind of a condescending little smile on their face, like I expected them to pat me on my head and send me on my way. And oh, isn't that nice? And I'd say, <laughs> yeah, I enjoy it, but I swear to you. By the time that party was over, I'd have six people pull me aside when no one else was looking because they couldn't be seen with me, God forbid. So they, you know, my brother had an experience last year and it was always a brother or a cousin or it was never them, but I knew it was them. And so they, everybody has a ghost story, but not everybody is comfortable in sharing and I always think to myself, wouldn't it be great in this world if we could talk about this as comfortably as we do other things um, and, and just kind of accept it and let it be. But um, th I think that's been my problem is I've not a problem, but I've never been afraid to say who I am and what I do. And what I do to some people really sounds crazy. So um, it is what it is. Well, then it's a good thing you're behind, you're around like-minded people this evening. Yes, exactly. Yes. Oh, it's always fun to talk about it with people who share your, your thoughts and your beliefs. So it's been fun. You always on that note too. I've had so many times where like, you have people that, that aren't believers. They're like, oh, I don't believe in any of that, this stuff. But, but then like after a while, then you can get them to go like on investigations and be like with a client and be like, or like the wife will call us in or whatever. Cause the wife, just feeling something's going on. I guess, oh, there's nothing, nothing there. But I talk to my like, well, this one time I had this and then I had this, but I don't believe in any of that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and what's shame in believing that? I mean, is yeah. it really terrible? I don't get that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that kind of reminds me. experiences. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of like the story my great grandmother used to always talk about living in a haunted house and she would always hear footsteps. But my grandfather never did until one day that he put a, there was a door that would never stay shut and he slammed or they, he wedged a butcher's knife between the door and the door frame to keep it shut. And I mean, he couldn't even pull it out. And the next thing you know, he hears like a few weeks later, he hears clank and the knife was on the ground and he was, we're moving. Nope. <laughs> He's like, nope, we're done. And he just takes that even non-believers yeah it takes that one time 
And I the, that, they still might not believe fully, but they can explain that. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Go. You know, you just, yeah. And you have enough of those and pretty soon you find yourself more of a believer than you thought you were. Yep. Well, I thought a good one to talk about was the old, the old mill in Dundee, Michigan. That's one I've investigated a few times. Like the first time I had was more like a public ghost hunt. Um, that's an old grist mill. Um, I think it was, I don't know, it's like 1826. And eventually I converted to like a Ford, uh, Ford Motor Company. Like they were manufacturing stuff out of there too at one point in time uh, later on. Now it's just a museum uh, with a bunch of artifacts. We were down like in the basement. And this was a public ghost hunt. So there's like way too many people in there to do like a real investigation. But yeah. it's kind of the first time. It was one that the, they have like a old mill parafest every year there, I think around November. So we were there for that like a few years ago. And me and like one of the other team members I was on, like they have basically they have like a lot of like celebrity speakers. And like they would you go into a particular area and then you would investigate with that celebrity speaker or whatever. So we were down in the basement and they were running like a spirit box thing because that's about all you can really do with a bigger group because an EVP session is you're not yeah. going to get quiet enough to be able to do EVPs. So they were doing that while we were down there. I mean, the other team were like standing like way back, like almost like we had like, like feeling of like being repelled from the group. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, man, I'm just feeling like this old man's energy. He just wants us to scare everybody out of here. Like he sees him almost as like a bunch of drunk teenagers around a campfire. It's kind of like how yeah. he's so I look around to like where my team member is. She's like down on the ground trying to find like a stone to like chuck towards their direction, not at them, but chuck towards them to try to scare them. <laughs> like, which isn't something we would normally be doing at all, but it was just, I think we were both just kind of picking up on that energy. Yeah. And up there before was like the, or like the time after that, we went more, it was more of a private event with a smaller group of people. And um, that was one of the ones, like one of the medium there from like the host team was saying like, yeah, there's definitely feel like there's an older, grumpier man energy as one of the spirits that tends to hang out in the basement. So I'm like, I think I definitely picked up on that. <laughs> That's definitely. true. Yeah, that is interesting. So, so you can yeah. trust things that you feel. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. It's that natural instinct. Yeah. And Kim, you say you don't, but as moms, we've got that instinct. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but I don't pick on any pick up on any old man in the house in the room, you know. So <laughs> no, but you know when something's not right with your kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I get a tingling in my in the back of my neck when my kid's too quiet in the other room, right? Like he's up to no good. <laughs> it is, it's all connected. It's just that our body has that extra ability to figure out something's up that we need to pay attention to right yeah uh, anytime a kid is quiet <laughs> yeah that automatically <laughs> raises the suspicion bells exactly <laughs> oh. yeah i think probably i think we're getting around an hour right now Let me see okay it's of course it doesn't show me on the phone one but um yeah probably just going to wrap it up now um probably just do some final thoughts if there's anything anybody's got coming up any events or anything or um anything that they want to promote or whatever um 
go around if anybody has. I don't really have anything coming up. I will be investigating the city of Milwaukee here in a couple months or a month or so, but wow. that's what I'm looking forward to. But then I'm getting some more guests on, but right now I'm still in the process of uh, getting some guests booked. We'll Are be back in regular shows. the whole city of Milwaukee? No, it's the SS city of Milwaukee. It's a ship. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Non-Michigan people. Yeah, it's a ship. <laughs> Not the city of Milwaukee. No, there is a really haunted hotel, I think, in Milwaukee that I'd really like to check out. I can't remember what the name is, but <laughs> I know like a bunch of the sports teams go in there and like a lot of them end up leaving because the ghosts will keep them up all night. I've heard of that too, and I can't think of yeah. what the name is. Yeah. There's been a yeah. lot of athletes that have reported. It seems like it tries to keep the opposing team up so that way they don't play good the next day because <laughs> they're tired because they've been up all night. <laughs> I think they would have figured out to change hotels by now, right? Yeah, that's what a lot of them end up going and doing is they just go and get a bed and breakfast or something because they won't stay in the team hotel. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Well, Kathy, Kathy, I got to tell you, I'm leaving for Ireland pretty quick. And we'll be staying in some interesting places. And one of the places we'll be staying in for a couple of nights is a castle. So I, I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, but for goodness sakes, if somebody starts breathing in the back of my neck, when I'm laying in this castle, I am hightailing it out of there. Oh. <laughs> I'd say bring well. the old school recorder and keep it on at night. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that would yeah it's it's so much fun and I and I've been a couple of times and uh there's one place you get a chance it's Lep Castle what is it called Lep but it's spelled L-E-M-P L-E-M-P okay and just just google it so you get an idea of, um they it's not an overnight at least they didn't over offer overnights but uh but Ireland, it's like Ireland and Scotland. I mean, the whole country are it's just- like one big ghost town. <laughs> Pardon me? Yeah, I think it's just one big ghost town. Is Absolutely. it slap near a lot of fairy mounds? Yes. That's what I thought. Fairy mounds. Fairy mm -hmm. they're, they're supposedly the fairies underneath these mounds. And- they will uh, captivate and enchant humans and bring them into their fairy mounts. It's it's uh, very cool legends in Ireland. So okay. yeah, some of the mounds Google are massive, and some of the mounds are small. You know, they, they they're yeah. everywhere. Yeah, but they are. They're all over. And the thing, one of the things I loved most about both Ireland and Scotland is just how open-minded and accepting the people are of things that are supernatural or oops um, <laughs> it's part of their heritage i mean okay. they are firm believers and they will love to share their stories with you it's amazing oh my gosh well if i have any short stories to share from the locals i'll be sure to put it on our facebook page so everyone can read my that'll adventure great that'll be great and I'm going to Google theory paranormal blog. Hmm? It would be Kim's paranormal blog from Ireland. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that would be great. Yes. Well, um, yeah, it was really nice chatting with you guys and meeting you. I've you met too. Brandon, but 
you know, for, for everybody. I, I just think that it's so much fun. I think we were saying at the beginning to talk to people where you don't have to explain every single term you use, every single idea. I mean, you guys get it and, and yep. it's fun to talk to people who get it. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was, Thank yeah. You so much. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and maybe uh, someday we can have you back on again, so. That, that's great. Boy, I've got some great stories from Scotland to tell you, so. Yeah, that'd be cool. Maybe we do a Scotland episode. That'd be yeah. fun. <laughs> International episode. That would be yes, awesome. exactly. Europe has some, you know, they're just so old that they've had so much longer than we have in this country to experience and to accumulate experiences over the years. It's just fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. But thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for joining us today. Anytime. Just let me know. Okay, will do. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 The opinions expressed in the preceding program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media.